back for another week of exciting podcast content talking about all things fitness, all things fitness and more fitness. Here we are, the Coyote Fitness Podcast. Welcome back, gentlemen. Dynamite intro. Thank you. <laughs> I You've been taking was, lessons from Chase, haven't you? Yeah, it's a, you got to have a little punch is the deal. You Welcome gotta, back. Da, 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 da. So, I don't know. We're, we're making some progress. <laughs> so, uh, fascinating discussion last time we were together about, uh, you know, making sure that you're sticking with things. and So, we got just a little bit different type of episode uh, this week. We're discussing some refinement that we've had inside of Coyote Fitness about what drives us, what are the principles that we have as far as the culture and community that we're trying to shape, just trying to get better at that. And it's actually been uh, called down to two words, which is incredible. Uh, most organizations never make it to that point, but we've got two words that are guiding almost everything we do that we're going to discuss uh, together today. Right, Hunter? Yeah, so basically uh, we had a management meeting uh, last year and just kind of determined uh, – what we wanted our organization to be about. What do we stand for? Or where are we going? Um, what do we want to be? And a lot of this stuff was stuff, if you've ever read anything from Patrick Lencioni, he, he, uh, he's written a lot of books, and a lot of this is from what he did. But um, we basically, first, you know, if, before we determine where we want to go, we got to determine who we are. And so we wanted to figure out what our core values were as an organization, what our core values were, that we want our coaches to display, what core values we're looking for from people that we hired, what what core values we want to um, demonstrate to our athletes and and try to uh, impart on our athletes. And we came up with, uh, with two, which we've also around the same time implemented our break it down at the end of class every day. And each, each month we have a word of the month and we've, those, these were two of our first ones. And so we just kind of want to talk about what our core values are today and uh, what they mean to us and how we uh, embody those as coaches and how uh, we, we want to help our athletes embody that as athletes and, and how we embody as an organization, I think, is, uh, is, is really where we want to go. So I think this discussion is going to be awesome. Just a lot of points we can, we can hang on and takeaways. It's really important for us, for our listening audience, to have things that they can kind of categorize and take away and implement into their own fitness journey. This is going to be the perfect episode for that. So if you're part of our listening audience, you've been waiting on a discussion like this, you know, this would be something good, to, you know, unless you're driving, uh, to get some, jot these things down uh, for some guiding principles. So let's go ahead. Let's just jump right in if you guys are okay with that. Yeah. Let's talk about the first one, humble. Humble would be the first one, which a lot of our Coyote fitness athletes will recognize that as part of the break it down. But what does Coyote mean when it says humble is going to be one of our guiding principles? So when we broke it down, we wrote up on the board the quote, humble, humility isn't thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. And I think that's a big thing that we want uh, from all of our coaches and, and putting uh, the athletes first. And uh, everything that we do is to try to serve other people. And we talk about our mission is to try to help as many people as we, we can and, and drastically improve their quality of life. And all of our decisions are made by that that's why we did the podcast in the first place is to put out information out there to people because we only get an hour a day uh, to spend with them and we try to do that in lots of other ways like putting content out and all this type of stuff but re you know really we just want a uh, a team of of humble uh of humble coaches yeah i think humility is one of those things that you never really arrive at but as you pursue humility you end up doing things that attract people to you 
And so, you know, nothing is less attractive than when you get a vibe that someone feels like they're better than you or they've got something better to do than to be engaging you, whether it's coaching or talking after class or whatever it is. And so trying to just every day hold each other as leaders uh, accountable to humility within our own relationships, but also as, as we realize if we start to embrace that and really focus on that together as, as leaders, we're going to start to hopefully um, see a community and a gym create a culture of humility. And that's something that attract people because we want to influence the lives of a million people. And to do that, we need to be a place that people are attracted to. And nothing is less attractive, especially in something that has the potential to be competitive, like CrossFit does, or a sport of fitness for some people in the gym. Um, nothing is less attractive than when you, uh, you know, get the vibe that the person who is supposed to be coaching you and investing in you um, displays this kind of air of being better than or pursuing their own gain. And so if we can, within closed doors, hold each other accountable to humility ourselves and really begin to practice that, then I think we're going to create a culture and a gym where we're not attracting people that are there to show themselves off, but to, but to bring in people and to be a gym that leads from the front of people that say, hey, I want the best for you. Yeah, I think as a, uh, as a staff um, and, uh, and an organization, you've got to, I mean, uh, humility needs to be one of the first things that we look for because, you know, we are in the, bit in the fitness business, but we're also in the, uh, we're in the service industry and you have, and if you're going to be willing to, you know, spend the hours up there, you know, you're, you have to be willing to, uh, what, what people are really buying from you, you know, is, is time, you know, to, to coach them, to check on them, to spend time outside of class, uh, uh, we're, uh, helping them, talking to them, spending time, uh, you know, making sure that they have a, uh, that they have a nice place to train and all of that. You have to be able to, uh, you have to be humble enough and be willing to give up a little bit of yourself to, uh, to see the business grow and see your, um, and see your clients, uh, make the progress that you want them to. Yeah, definitely. Our goal is to help as many people as we can in fitness is just the avenue that we have chosen to help because we've seen how much of an impact it has on our lives. Um, not just in our health, but in our mindset and all that type of stuff. Uh, but that with that, you have to be humble to be able to help people. And so I think we can just kind of start breaking down, you know, what it actually means to be humble in, in our opinion. And I think the first point is that you develop a growth mindset. And uh, anyone that's heard, uh, listened to the podcast before, heard me talk, knows that Mindset by Carol Dweck is, is one of my favorite all-time books and one of the first ones I recommend to people. And, you know, basically you either have a growth mindset or a fixed mindset and you can have a growth mindset in one area of your life and a fixed in the other one. And we want, we want as coaches to have a growth mindset. We want to believe that the hand we're dealt isn't just the starting point or is, I'm sorry, is just the starting point that that's not where we're set in life, that we're just, that's our starting point and we can always work to improve our, our spot. And, uh, we want to seek out and embrace feedback. And that's one big thing that we've embraced here recently as coaches is embracing feedback and, and not being scared to receive, uh, hear something hard from another coach about something that we've done because we know ultimately that's going to make us better. And realizing that failure or and not living up to the expectation in a certain area does not define us. Uh, it just shows us a way that we can improve. And um, that's a big, big mindset shift. And when you start uh, looking at 
feedback as something that can help you as opposed to uh, defining who you are as a person and taking it personally instead of saying, you know what, this is something that is hard to hear right now, but it's going to help me get better in the, in, the, in, the, in the long run. Well, I think this is really taking root here. So we, and we could celebrate all of these, but this one, you just, we just can't let it pass. I've noticed inside of our our gym that uh, it isn't just top level elite athletes that are giving advice to other athletes. So you, leading by example, this has been awesome to see. Everybody feels the ability to reach in and say, hey man, you, uh, I know you're stronger than me, faster than me, more fit than me, but uh, you really came out hard on that, on that first round. <laughs> that probably was a dumb thing to do, right? Yeah. Uh, so nothing blocks this uh, shared growth more than this feeling or air of arrogance. And uh, that's really started to any any place that was creeping in is starting to go away. So I, I congratulate the efforts here, having that growth mindset, being able to receive feedback. I mean, no, nobody's perfect at CrossFit. I mean, if you think you're perfect at CrossFit, then you you've really missed the boat, you know. So this is really starting to take root. This humility piece, especially that first part. So there are a couple of different parts of this first word. That's that's the first one. What's the second one? Uh, so the second point is uh, commit to radical transparency and. Uh, that means you em embrace truth above all else and you tell the kind truth and never avoid what needs to be said. And so basically that's saying that um, this might be hard for me to, to uh, correct somebody. Uh, it's going to be a tough conversation, but realizing like, hey, it needs to be said because this is, uh, this is the truth. The truth of the matter is uh, you're cutting corners and you need to, to straighten up or whatever the case may be and saying like, I'm gonna be honest with you because I love you and I want what's best for you. And me not being honest with you might be easy in the short term because I don't have to have a tough conversation, but in the long term, it's actually hurting you because it's allowing you to continue doing something um, that's not beneficial for you. And so saying, hey, if, if, I, if somebody needs to be called out, uh, not being scared to, to call them out on it. Yeah, this just requires, this is where Lencioni's thought comes in a lot here. This requires a high level of trust uh, in, inside of a relationship, which means investment over time, which is a lot of why we are participating in the type of fitness we are uh, in, because we're building these relationships over a long period of time, uh, working out with people over a long period of time. So that, that is a pretty big one that uh, when you get to this kind of crossroads, like, do I want to have this conversation or would I like to avoid it? So that, that humility is being able to exercise trust with the other person saying, I'm going to say this trusting that it's going to land correctly because we're both chasing progress through humility. So that's, that's pretty big, right? It builds momentum too. You know, the more you do it, the more comfortable you are in that situation. And then you start to roll and then it becomes a normal part of the your progress. And I guess the normal part of your pursuit of, a goal is to be okay with receiving it. The more you do it, the more comfortable you are, the less chance you have of really, you know, delivering it wrong. You get better and better at telling kind truth and what that is versus just saying, you know, out of the blue, just saying, hey, man, you messed this up. Um, and so I feel like we're getting better and better at it as a, um, as a group. So that leads us into part three. This is interesting. I'd love to hear the dialogue around this. Celebrate mistakes. Yeah, so celebrate mistakes means basically you identify your weaknesses and celebrate them as opportunities to improve. Um, and then that you stretch yourself and find the learning zone. So uh, when you find something that you're not good at, uh, it's the, the, the common response is to be upset about and avoid it because it makes you feel uh, like, you're, like it hurts your self-worth. But if you can look at it instead and say, hey, 
here's an area that I didn't realize I wasn't good at. Let me work on it because this is an opportunity for me to improve. That's having a growth mindset and that's going to have uh, more, help you make more progress in the long run. And that's just, you know, checking your ego at the door and, and looking for ways that you can improve. Um, I, you know, I think that's something that as coaches that we, we have to constantly be looking at because nobody's perfect and nobody's ever going to be all around perfect coach. And so we always have to look at what our holes are and celebrate, Hey, if somebody says, shows me an area that I'm lacking in, Hey, that's great. That's just an opportunity for me to get better in that area. And, and looking at it that way, as opposed to saying, taking the, that criticism and letting it define you and getting down on yourself. And, uh, the learning zone is basically where if you're wanting to get better, you can't just do something that um, is so easy for you that you don't really have to work at it. You got to be constantly pushing your limits just a little bit farther than your capacity to get better at it. So you can't be going like, let, take handstand walk for example, like you can't just go from not being able to handstand walk to jumping up and trying to walk over and over and over again. You're not ever gonna work. You have to do progressions. The first progression might be going handstand walks up against the wall, and then you might be doing shoulder taps uh, up against the wall, and then you might turn around with your back to the wall, do shoulder taps, and then you might walk a little bit on the ground, and then you might constantly be getting uh, farther and farther as you handstand walk. So it's like building a progression. And same thing for any type of learning. You can't like just throw yourself into the deep end. You have to slowly progress, but you also have to make it hard enough to where it's slightly uncomfortable. It's and you're failing, but not too much, if that makes sense. That's the learning zone. It's where it's just a little bit out of your your competence in that, in, in that area. And that's the area we always want to be working toward. We always want to be just a little bit above our uh, capacity in that certain area. What an awesome shift to think. I'm having that feedback where I'm uncomfortable and instead of flight, I embrace, I'm in the learning zone. This is right where I want to be. That's a, that's a pretty cool shift. This is really hard for me personally. We've talked a lot about this is because for a long time, whenever I felt like there was a mistake or there was something that we as a business, not even me personally, um, but we as a business maybe missed the boat on and our clients are willing to share and open up with us about things that we can do better it's really really easy to take it personally you know being really honest a lot of times feedback at first and you know the last couple years feedback a lot of times I felt like was an attack on the way that Hunter was running the gym and the way that things are done and so my loyalty kind of jumped up in the way of saying hey let's let's accept this and Hunter helped me understand that I didn't have to defend him or defend us or whatever the business was we could just accept that and so I hope that as we you know get better and better at this we understand and our clients understand please come to us and tell us things that we can get better at because that's a win for everyone it's a win for you it's a win for us and we are hopefully going to be the type of leaders that are willing to embrace that and to move from it and not see it see it as a positive instead of a negative all right let's just let's run into the space a little bit here what i'd like to i'd like to give some feedback if i could that we could erase uh the one-arm dumbbell snatch like it ever was (laughs) ever was invented let's just get rid of that movement right there i'll tell you uh on that point too you know one of the hardest things that i personally have done uh, as a gym owner is sending out a survey, uh, man, I did, I was so nervous about sending that survey out. And when they started coming in, like I really put off reading them because, you know, that's the gym is something that I've poured my heart and soul into for six years and to give everything of every ounce of effort into something and then to see, uh, the criticism 
in certain areas uh, is really, really hard to take. But after, you know, kind of getting my, my courage up to look at it, I realized like, hey, this is just an opportunity for us to look at it and get better. And you find the areas that you consistently see mentioned, you're like, hey, you know, if lots of these people are saying this, we need to look at it. And then we take action points and we see if we can get better. And then you send out another one and you see where you can get better at and you send out another one. You're always taking feedback as not a definition of who you are, just saying, hey, this is an opportunity for us to get better. And I think that's the only way that you can grow. Um, you said, you know, being uncomfortable. And I think that's the only time that you grow is when you're uncomfortable. If you're always comfortable, you're just staying the same. You're not ever, you're not ever growing. Yeah, it took it took me a while personally too. When uh, back when I uh, when I was writing uh, writing a lot of the a lot of the programming, you know, I put a lot of time you put a lot of time and effort into it. And um, whenever I would hear criticisms of it, initially my uh, early on um, early on uh, in my career, I would get really get really defensive and really um, uh, uh, really hurt by it. And then um, it took it took that like like Hunter just with the gym in general, I had to do the same thing with my program and just take it just take it as you know, this is what we need. This, this is what I need to make my to make my ability to program better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's classic stuff right here of being able to take yourself personally and an organization uh, from good to great. That's that's exactly how these things go. So what I'd like to do is uh, skip the next one, uh, <laughs> if that's all right. We just you know we're running short on time. We would discuss yeah. it, so uh, seriously, this is actually a, a goal that I had rolling into to just personally. It's awesome that they align, and maybe one has influenced you guys have influenced me in this. I think that's how it rolls. Uh, but my goal is to wine less in the gym this year. And so that's a part of this, if you'll take us through it, Hunter. Yeah, never whine, never complain, never make excuses. And honestly, this is definitely the hardest one for me. And I, I, I would say it's probably the hardest for most people. It's just so easy um, to complain. It's so easy if things don't go your way to make an excuse. And a lot of times you can justify yourself as, hey, I'm, I'm making an excuse because I'm just trying to find what wrong, went wrong with that workout so I can be better next time. You know, but really you're justifying your poor performance or whatever the case may be. Um, and, you know, we talk about take ownership, be, um, be positive and optimistic. This is the greatest determinant of success. So take ownership. We're actually reading extreme ownership right now as a group, as a management team. And uh, basically the whole premise of the book is every area of your life you have to take complete ownership of. And wherever, whatever point you are in your life, it all point all points back to you. Like you deserve to be exactly where you are. No more, no less. Where you're at is because of you and you alone. And if you want to change that, it's up to you and you alone. You have to take complete ownership in everything. So he 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 was a SEAL team leader. He gave the example of if one of his uh, if one of his soldiers screws up and does something wrong, it's his fault for not training him well enough to not make that that uh, mistake, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so taking ownership of every aspect. And so that's what we talk about as coaches. Like if, if an athlete's moving poorly uh, in a workout and hurts themselves, it's not their fault because they're moving poorly. It's my fault as a coach because I didn't coach them correctly to be able to move poorly or I allowed that poor movement to happen while I was coaching. So one take exception it. to that would be the wall ball. <laughs> Half squats are okay. Yeah. That's been clear. The wall ball, correct form on the wall ball has been very clearly instructed. <laughs> it's just wh- whether they're taking ownership on how to do it well. So uh, yeah, that is, that's an, uh, an awesome idea there to take ownership over things and, and something that is very difficult to do. But let's talk about it just briefly on a micro level 
inside of the organization, every day, every wide, you have ample opportunity to pick something to be negative about or something to be positive about. Let's take the example where you come out a five round workout, you come out too hot in round one. You're gonna be negative about the way that the workout went or you're gonna be positive to say, you know what? Now I know not to Tim Bell this thing and do that again, right? Uh, you can pick something that, that is gonna help you grow if you're in this sort of mindset choose to whine or you can choose to learn right it's all about your perspective if you're thinking long term then it's not that big a deal if you're thinking about right this second today's workout was the most important thing that is going to happen this year and i can't think past that then of course you're going to beat yourself up about it but Mm. it's not the final event at the crossfit games that determine whether or not you got a new endorsement deal or whether or not you made you know a million dollars or a thousand dollars it's for us it's it's your fitness right? It's a workout. And so there's so many ways to be positive and there's so many reasons to be positive that long-term will lead to success versus just having that like downward focus, thinking about me um, uh, type of mentality. Yeah. It's about the fitness. Man, the the positive and optimistic. And, and I mean, that's, there's studies that say this is the greatest determinant of success. The people that most successful people are positive and optimistic. And it's just so contrary to how most people act. Most people are negative and pessimistic and complain about things and complain about things um, outside of their control, complain about waiting a long time in line, complain about traffic, complain about, you know, the weather, all the stuff that they can't control instead of being positive and only focus on what you can control. And we spend so much energy complaining and worried about such minutia of our day-to-day life that won't matter in an hour, much less a year, um, that it takes away from the energy that we could be putting into the stuff that actually truly matters that's going to have an impact um, on our lives in the long term. Boom, man. Hard to believe it's going to get better from here. That's a great point. I think it's just personally for me, that's the one I would, I'm going to, that will be my takeaway, the one I'm going to focus on the most, some clarity there. So last one uh, under being humble, under humility, is respond, don't react. Let's explain that a minute. Uh, it means become unshakable. You're um, not allowing um, other people's actions to dictate um, your feelings and how you react throughout the day. Um, I think about it as like a, a leaf, somebody who's constantly reacting is like a leaf just blowing in the wind. Whichever way the wind blows, that's the way they blow. I don't want to be the person whose life is dictated by other people's actions. I want to be the one that dictates my own life and my own path. And so that means choosing principles over feelings. I'm creating these principles that I'm going to live by and F my feelings. You know, you've heard that before, F your feelings. That's that, our next shirt, I think. Yeah. <laughs> You know, right. you are not your feelings. You're not defined by your feelings. If you if you are feeling a certain way, stop. Take a step back. Realize, wow, that made me angry. Why did that make me angry? Not you know, and then get get down to the bottom of that. Or wow, I'm feeling very overwhelmed. Why am I feeling feeling very overwhelmed? Just because you feel angry doesn't mean you have to act on it and punch somebody, or act on it and yell at somebody, or, or act on it and slam on your horn. You can take a step back, say, "Wow, I'm angry." Let's take a step back and not react to it. And so, just realizing that you are not defined by your feelings, you are not you are not your feelings. You're your own person, and if you decide to choose your principles over your feelings, then you will constantly be making decisions based off of my principles that I designed for what I want to stand for as a person. Um, I, a quick uh, segue here, quick tangent. I read uh, Benjamin Franklin's book, Autobiography, and he wrote about 
uh, he wanted to become a certain type of person, and he he wrote down 14 virtues that he wanted to embody as a person. And every day he had a, a chart, and every day he would put a mark beside the, the the virtues that he felt he embodied. And so every day, all his decisions were based off of if he embodied those virtues as a person. And over time, he got better and better at it, and he defined his principles, and he chose to live by his principles over his feelings. He wasn't de- defined by what happened to him that day. He always deferred back to what his own principles for, were for. And that's, you know, set your core values as an organization. That's what we've done here. We've de- determined that we're going to be humble and hungry and all our decisions are based off, is this something that somebody who's humble and hungry would do? Is this coach somebody who embodies these principles? No matter what happens in the gym, we're still deferring back to how I react needs to be embodied um, in these principles. Well, based on the paintings, uh, physical fitness was not one of Benjamin Franklin's principles. <laughs> no, I did not make the list. Yeah. Just number 15. <laughs> some things you learn from a guy, some things you can't learn from a guy. So, uh, so you mentioned the next word. Let's get on to that. Uh, we could, I think we could stay on that humility piece for a really, really long time. We could because I think it's, the hard, it's one of the hardest things to, to be as a person, you know. Yeah, no doubt. But the next one, you know, if you, in our discussion, I think it's going to bear out. Hungry is kind of hard to maintain as well. Yeah, so humble and hungry is our other, other core value. And um, hungry means never settling, always trying to, to get better, um, never treading water. Uh, to me, uh, our greatest failure as an organization would be to look back uh, in five years and be the same. You know, we always constantly want to be improved, and we're never resting on our laurels. We're always trying to be better, um, offer a better uh, service, you know, just be better coaches, learn more, everything. Um, and the first point in that is pursue excellence. We, want to, we don't want just to be good. We want to be excellent. We want to be as good as we possibly can be. Uh, greatness is the standard, and don't tolerate anything less. So if we're, if we're um, uh, loading up the, uh, the refrigerator with Kill Cliff, greatness is having all the Kill Cliffs lined up by flavor with the labels pointing out. That's great. Good is having them all lined up, but they're kind of... You know, they're not neat and square. And we talked about that before in our meeting. It seems insignificant, but all the details matter. All the details matter in the long term. And that can apply to every single thing you're doing. You know, if you're working out, it's not tolerating anything but great movement. It's not shorting your range of motion just so you can go a little bit faster in a workout. It's not skipping the mobility because you want to want to talk or whatever case may be. It's greatness not selling, not tolerating for anything less, and then changing your understanding of A-plus efforts. And uh, we talked about this in a couple of different books I read, but, you know, you learn in school that an A-plus effort is uh, you just study and, and get all the questions right. But in, in life, that's not how it works. An A-plus effort is going above what is expected, um, going above what, what is required of you. Um, if you just do what is required of you, that's just average. That's what most people do. They just do what's required of you. It's not just doing what's required of you, but seeing what else I can do, how else I can help out. If my boss asks me to do this thing, I'm going to do this thing, and then also this thing, and this thing, and this thing, and do some five things that he hadn't even thought to ask, ask me for. That's what A-plus effort is. It's, it's always going above and beyond um, what is expected. So I think this word is a great... Uh measurement here because it's a little different than humility if 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 you were hungry at one point and you now you are less hungry so you care less about how the kill cliffs are lined up it's a great it's like this tactile this instant feedback 
something's changed. I care less about this, and it causes you to dig into these things a little bit more. So it's, um, you know, obviously they're just different words, but I think this one, as far as athletes and an organization is concerned, we, we go in these seasons where, man, I just care less about this thing, and it causes you to increase that awareness that we were actually discussing last episode What's actually going on here? Why, why was I okay uh, with, with compromising this movement? Well, it's because I was focused on this other athlete too much. Mm-hmm. I picked a rabbit before this even started, and it became about them and not about me. You know? So I, I love the way that this, this word is actually going to help us as athletes and as an organization measure what we're doing. A, a lot of times, I think the it goes back to that last point in being humble is choosing your principles over feelings. Just because hungry sounds like you've got this like, you know, adrenaline rush motivation a lot of times, but in reality, it's not that sexy. It's a lot more of I'm choosing principles that I want to adhere to in my life and I'm going to develop habits. Habits are not motivated by externals, right? They're internally motivated. It, you know, a workout, a song can change your feelings in an instant. You're, you, you know, Music's one of those things that has a tie to a lot of us, but you can become very emotional very quickly and have certain feelings that well up. But that's not what you want to be driven. If you're truly hungry, it's going to be something that's a habit that's not going to be determined by the the wind blowing. You know, it's going to be something that is deeply rooted inside of you, and that's what we're all working towards, and that's why it doesn't. It's not going to be there every single day. There are a lot of things that come up in everyone's everyone's job that's not always re- immediately it doesn't make your you know the job easy but a lot of times it becomes uh, I need to think back to the things that uh, motivate me beyond just the the feeling that kind of goes back and forth yeah I agree with that and a lot of this has to do with uh, time which leads us to our next one leave it better than you found it uh, early on in the organization how we taught this lesson was if you left your rope in the gym it was going to be hanging from the ceiling <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> when you came back i forgot uh, about that leave it better than you found it moves into uh asking your yourself a question this driving question talk to us about that yeah constantly ask how you can make this better so uh for me that's like if i go to stay uh, I talked about this before. If I go stay at a friend's house, I'm going to make his bed up and pick up the trash that was already out and put it away And because I'm grateful for the opportunity to stay there. you know, It was nice of him to do that. The least I can do is, is clean up after myself and leave it nicer than I found it, and that applies to everything. Always leave it better than you found it. You, you, you don't want to be the person who leaves an area and just leaves it, and the person who comes behind you be like, man, what a slob. Like, What kind of person would leave an area like this? And, uh, and, that, and that goes to every aspect of life as well. And always go above and beyond, and we talked about that a minute but, but before. It's just take what is expected of you and do more than that in every area of life. And that's what we want to do as coaches and as an organization. We want to offer more than what our clients expect. We want their experience to be better than they expect when they come in. We want them to get better results than they expect. We want them to have more fun than they expected. And we constantly want to be raising that bar and so that constantly means that we have to be looking for how to improve day after day. This is actually one of the, we talk about this in the organization I work for as well. This is actually one of the easiest things to do because in almost every environment, very few people are confused about where that line of expectation is. So choosing to go beyond that is actually a really easy decision. The, the question is, are you motivated enough to do it? You're not confused about what going above and beyond actually is. 
the question is, are you w willing to do that? Uh, it's like walking into the bathroom and there's a, a paper towel on the ground. It doesn't, that's not really that big a deal. There's a paper towel on the ground instead of in the garbage. But just that small detail of like, hey, I'm going to pick this paper towel up and I'm going to put it in the, in the garbage because the expectation is, is cleanliness and that's below the expectation. And so we need to constantly be raising the expectation to make sure we're exceeding expectations, not falling below them. While we're at it, I think we should probably have an episode about bathroom habits at Coyote Fitness, but that's that's just another that's Ex another explicit content. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'd have to we'd have to mark that episode for content. Uh, but these two, the last two, kind of dovetail together. The last one being, uh, we're going to treat small things as big things. Uh, this one's a little bit more complex and can actually be a trap if you don't treat it exactly like you're supposed to. So these these three bullet points under here, I think, are important for us to discuss. First one being, if you guys could break this down, I love this word, show fanatical attention to detail. That's a, a pretty awesome statement. How does that work out inside of our organization? I mean, that means from anything you're doing, the devil's in the details. Whether you're posting the workout and making sure all everything's spelled correctly, and we use the same abbreviations each and every week for the thing that the workouts are posted the same every single time or if we're cleaning making sure we clean it the same way every single time making sure that the towels are folded the same way every single time make sure we talked about the kill cliff thing the, the towel the the shirts that we're selling are folded up and stacked by size you know all that type of stuff that it looks clean when you walk in that we coach the class the same way every single time uh, that we, you know, we follow the script, we do the announcements and all that type of stuff that we, that we, from the small things of how we get the workout started, three, two, one, go, all that's the same, you know, all those are details that add up over time. Um, and fanatical means that we treat it as it's the most important thing in the world because it is, uh, the details are, are where, what, what separates good from great It's what makes you excellent is the details. Like if you're an athlete Focusing on the details in your warm-up and focusing on making sure I'm hitting my positions in, in this movement and making sure every single rep looks the same is, is what's going to add up to progress over time. And, you know, don't be complacent. Good is the enemy of great. So it's really easy to have some success early on and then let that keep you from really reaching greatness. Um, and I think I, I had some of that in my CrossFit career as I, I had some success early on and I started feeling good about myself and I started kind of coasting a little bit instead of taking that hungry approach that I had when I first started. And then all of a sudden you're getting worse because other people are passing you by. Whereas if you constantly are instead of comparing yourself to, wow, I'm doing pretty good compared to everybody else, but say, hey, let me how, how can I get better every single day and how can I make myself better today? If you're constantly asking yourself that every day. Um, then you're going to make progress. And I just love this quote, how you do anything is how you do everything. It's so true. Um, you, you don't see successful people with uh, messy houses uh, or messy cars or, you know, dirty cars or whatever with, you know, me, you know, messed up hair, not dressed well. Every people who are super successful, they, it, it shows itself in every single aspect of your life. And you can't compartmentalize your life into parts and say, in this area of my life, I'm going to be elite. But in this area of my life, I'm going to be average. And that's something that I have to constantly work towards is being better about the other areas of my life and trying to bring them up to the level that I'm trying to, to take the gym to. And I think, you know, it, it's all connected. If you want to raise your level 
um, you have to raise your level in every single area. And how you do anything is how you do everything. I hate that quote. <laughs> Wish I never heard it. No it's, job is not. No job is less important if it's your job. You know, if you if your job is something that seems very menial in the big you know in the big scale, or it's not something that you would just you know people are going to be asking you tell me more about that part of your job at a party, right? It's how it's do like, you how do you line up the cook with? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like that doesn't mean it's not important. You know, because you've got to know why and why and why. We talk like five levels of why. There's a deep motivation behind everything. And ultimately, for us, it's it's our job. We want to do every aspect of it well, even though it's not in front of all the members. Um, whether or not, you know, if you're a member, whether or not your job is a surgeon or an accountant or whatever it is, your job is um, you're going to find that you're going to be more successful and have a greater quality of that job and uh, a greater reward from being um, paying attention to those details and doing everything the same, not just the things that are on the outside. So let's, let's do this and wrapping up this part of the, the conversation for the episode today. Chris, how would you, if you were to take these two words and just give a, a quick speech to uh, the clients of Coyote, how would you want these two words, humble and hungry, to affect the way they work out today or the way they participate in their fitness this week? I would hope that, um, that they would take these and apply the, apply them to their workout, not just for the sake of having a better workout, but just as practice for the, uh, the chaos that life will, that life will throw your way. And, um, as a, as a time to, uh, to say, you know, in this workout, even though things are not going my way, I'm going to remain positive, not because it's going to, you know, it, it can help me for the next workout, but also because it's a practice that I want to, uh, that I want to, um, uh, put into the rest of my life and the way that I go through, uh, the way that I go through my daily life. Yeah. So it's great advice, man. It's not just about lifting weights, moving weight or moving quickly yeah, to, to see, to, for I, I, I wish I wish that uh, that we could get that more people would come in and see the workout for more than just a workout. See it as a as a, a daily a daily crucible, a daily a daily fight against complacency that will that will build that will build you up for other uh, to fight that in other areas of your life. Awesome advice. This is what I would say. I I wish a lot more people would come in playing the long game and not playing the day to day game of who can I beat in this workout? How can I win this workout? And I think people would get so caught up in what their score is on a workout that they sacrifice uh, movement quality. Um, they do whatever they can to uh, try to win as opposed to looking at it as an opportunity uh, to better themselves. Um, and if you do that every single day, um, in the long term, you're going to make more progress. But if you're just constantly playing the day-to-day -day battle, the day-to-day -day game, you're never going to make a whole lot of progress. You're just going to be constantly treading water. And you see the people who are, are always defining themselves by the results on the board, they don't ever really make a whole lot of progress. But the people who come in and try to push themselves to be a better version of themselves day in and day out, they're the ones that in the long term are going to make the biggest biggest gains and the biggest progress. So 
look at play play the long game don't look at it doesn't matter what your score is i couldn't tell you what place i got in the workout last tuesday nobody could nobody cares it doesn't matter but i'll tell you what if i came in last tuesday and i focused on quality of movement and i focused on my mobility and my stretching and i gave 100 percent effort on that day i promise you that it's going to have an impact on who i am today so pl- play the long game do the thing that's going to make the future version of yourself a better version of yourself and you're you're going to get so much more out of it than just coming in and just trying to to win the workout every day man that's what i'm talking about i want to stop this right now and get to the workout it's <laughs> amazing so motivating just having a focus and having asking the correct questions that's that's awesome and i think it's going to help so many of the people listening to start asking the right questions am i am i staying humble am i still hungry is a lot different than can i beat the next person uh you know or am i going to embarrass myself on this particular movement so great great discussion thanks for sharing that uh, with us absolutely so now we get to one of our favorite times on the coyote fitness podcast outside the box Took it up a notch. Dude, wow. I committed. I committed. <laughs> that was good. So this fascinating question, we actually, I love, I know these are going to go well when we've argued about them before we even turned on the mics, but the question we're going to discuss today is, what is the most difficult, make sure I'm wording this correctly, the most difficult competition, right? Across all mediums of fitness, military, actually, whatever you want to throw out there, what is the most, in your opinion, the most difficult competition. We're gonna uh, we did the we're doing top three, right? Yeah, no, and I do doing. think we need Ooh, to take marriage three. off the table. That's probably that would go a really difficult way there for us. But yeah, yeah, I think we could do top three, or uh, that'll be plenty of room for argument in those for sure. So uh, how do we want to start here? I know we've, the the Tour de France has come up already. I think that was that on everybody's list. It's on mine. I was yeah. not prepared for a top three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Y'all, y'all, y'all come back to me. Yeah, I'm sure you have. If time. you've ever been on an assault bike, you can just imagine what uh, what the Tour de France is. France? Can France? you say France without like having this like Tour de France? Superior, this very the pompous Tour, Tour de, de France. France. We were discussing this the, the other Tour day. Tour de France. France. Yeah. The Tour France. de France. Yeah. <laughs> just imagine having an assault bike, but there's there's people that are making it go at an incline and a decline, and then more of an incline. And I get some somebody really some, Sam, maybe Sam's listening, who's like, it's not the assault bike. It's a little different. Whatever. That's just the, you know, that's just what I think. These people are on a bike for three hours straight going uphill, downhill, and they don't let up at all. I know it's a little different, but I can't imagine there's many things tougher than doing that. How many yeah. days in a row do they do it? 20 days, 20 mm-hmm. plus days? It's two weeks, I think, isn't it? Okay. Enough for me to lose interest. So <laughs> a long time. <laughs> two weeks, maybe. My, my father-in-law watches the Tour de France religiously. And really? He, and he'll always, and he'll, I'll go over to his house and he'll always ask me, he's like, did you see what happened? Sure nope. did. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry. Nope. I think one of the indicators of is it a difficult challenge is if you look and see how much science is behind preparing for it. That's oh, always the, been one the, of, the logistics going oh into it gosh. is just insane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to, a total slugfest. And to also understand if you're going, my opinion here, and very briefly looking into it, if you're going to excel at this 
particular competition, you just have to have some particular things going on genetically to help you out. You know, I mean, that was the whole thing with Lance Armstrong. Pre <laughs> Genetically, the, biologically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> medically. <laughs> medically, all this stuff. But even before all the drug scandal and all that, which we, we definitely don't want to go into that, but this guy had some stuff going on with his heart and his ability to take in oxygen and put make that into energy. I mean, there was just some stuff going on that made him uniquely suited to be good at this, you know? So um, I think when you get to that level inside of a competition, a lot of things we're probably going to talk about in this top three it, that makes it inherently difficult because you can't just work hard over a long period of time and become good enough to participate in it. Just not going to happen. Yeah. You know? Um, so yeah, that, I think that would be definitely be in my top three. Another one that's going to be in my top three, uh, is hell week. I just have no idea how people get through this. Yeah. Hell week, hell week is, uh, is to me, I think the, the most the most difficult you know physical challenge it quite it quite literally is a competition because i mean they're but the only way that you that you win is just by not quitting yeah and um it's uh and it's a it is uh it is hell it is hell week and um it's it's five days it's five days straight of just physical activity and um I mean, like if, you, if you've gotten to just to the end of a long day at work, and you know how tired you are, <laughs> um, and uh, and I, I nerd out on a lot of that stuff. I've listened to uh, interviews with guys, and you know they, t- they talk about like they, they get into the the third day, they're so sleep deprived that they start um, they start hallucinating. Uh, I think I think actually Dave Castro talked about a uh, an, uh, in an interview uh, where him and um, uh, Sherwood were in the same uh, were in the same buds class, and that they were they were in the bay uh, rowing their uh, uh, rowing the boat. And uh, Castro looks out into the water and asks why there's a pink elephant floating next to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that it isn't. I think mm. we could call it a competition. It's intense, man. I mean, the the fact that people get through it. The last one that I actually watched on the History Channel, a guy's. Uh, using his elbows to crawl up the beach and he's broken his leg like six hours before mm-hmm. but he was four days in and there was just no way so I mean you think about it you break your leg in the Tour de, tour de France and tour de France. Uh, <laughs> you know yeah, it's over done. yeah they're gonna extract you out of that but this competition allows you to break a limb and still stay in it you know yeah and um, it's not it's not really it's not really dependent on your uh, on your physical abilities because by the time they even get to Hell Week, if you're not physically capable of making through it, you would have already been done. They would have already dropped you, bell. or yes. you already would have quit. I'd by, like by to the make time. a suggestion if we could to put a bell up at Coyote so that you get in the middle of a workout and you're like, <laughs> I'm done. Give up. If you can't, if you cancel, if you cancel your membership, make them ring the bell on the way out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We'll be happy to cancel. You're just gonna have to drive over here and ring the bell in front of front of the noon class. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Uh, so uh, one of the ones that we've discussed, and I, of course Hunter's just gonna wreck all this with the list he's been building. Uh, but we would put, and I think in in honest fashion, I know it's difficult to put these two things side by side, but the the CrossFit Games and the intensity and the number of workouts. I mean, it, it is a ridiculous competition. I mean, it, it's crazy to see what these athletes put themselves through over, over a number of days. I would definitely put it in the top three, having seen it for a couple of years. Uh, I mean, I choose not to participate in it. Um, <laughs> yep, I don't have the time to prepare. But uh, <laughs> I've I declined mean, my invitation. Yeah, I mean, I could. I could. But uh, that to me, when you're talking about trying to label this is the fittest person in the world, you got to have a pretty stellar competition, and I, and I think they've done it. I agree. You know, some of the ones that I've – 
thought about when we talked about this were the Tour de France. Uh, obviously, the uh, I think the the Hell Week is probably going to be the hardest, just hardest to get through. Maybe not physically, but but just all around physically, mentally, emotionally, all that type of stuff they're throwing at you. The sleep depravity, all that type of stuff. Uh, CrossFit Games has got to be up there. And then another one I think is that Badwater Ultra Marathon in Death Valley just because you have to deal with the heat and all that type of stuff. Uh, David Goggins, talk, I think he's done most of this stuff, and I think he said that was one of the hardest things he's ever done. And, uh, he, you know, he's he's been through Hell Week. He did the 24-hour pull-up challenge three times or something like that. I mean, he's a crazy dude. Um, I don't know. I, it's tough to say which one's the hardest because they're all so different. Um, and, you know, I don't – it takes a completely different type of athlete to do it. But I think when you start stringing in multiple days, dragging on different modalities, all that type of stuff, the CrossFit Games has got to be up there because there's so many different aspects to it. And you're having to do so many things when your body's just broken down. And I think that's probably the most, maybe the, maybe the most physically demanding four or five days. But if you add into you know, would you rather be in a whole lot of pain for four or five days or a pretty good amount of pain for 14 days like the Tour de France? Like, I don't know. It, I guess it depends yeah, on the person. It's, it's tough for me to not put the Tour de France above the CrossFit Games it, it, as far as what's more difficult to complete just because of the sheer volume Yeah. and the, how much work you're doing over how many days. Yeah, are you saying the opposite of that? I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd have a hard time picking. I think uh, that... The, the one thing about the Tour de France is you're doing the same thing every single day. Yeah. CrossFit Games is you're doing something completely different. Completely a lot different. of times you don't even know what you're going to be doing. And there's so that, you can't really which, be prepared which can, for it. Which can help you or, yeah. or hurt. There's yeah. that pressure of, too, like at the CrossFit Games, you you can't c- keep going if, you, if it takes longer, if you don't complete something. So there's yeah. the added pressure of the intensity that makes it really challenging, which if we were to do it like – there's a lot of events you could do. Most people could do them in 30 minutes, but they're doing them in eight minutes. You know or what I'm saying? Days. So it's yeah. not that it's not what you're doing. Whereas some of these things, uh, in all honesty, didn't know about this until 10 minutes ago. The Marathon de Sables, Morocco. It is across the Sahara Desert, five and a half marathons in a row. So it's like. 225 kilometers ultra marathon across the desert people do this people do this and survive five and a half marathon straight in the desert comb the desert <laughs> we um, found <laughs> <laughs> oh i think i think the the one key factor that just, is, just makes everything oh, it's incredibly so much worse is just the unknown i think if you know what you're getting yourself into you can be mentally prepared for it but like at hell week you don't know what you're going to be doing. Like you just be sitting there and all of a sudden they just like go get in the water, go get Sandy or, you know, all that type of stuff. And so I think the constant not knowing what's going to happen, I think that plays more of a psychological uh, toll, takes more of a psychological toll on you than anything else that you would do. Their goal is to try to replicate as best they can the stress of combat. Yeah. And so they have to, the, uh, the level of, uh, the level of chaos involved with that. Is uh, that's what they're that's what they're trying to what they're trying to do, and so they're trying to teach these guys to just take it what they they just call it one evolution at a time. You know, they're 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 not worried about what they're going to be doing at sunrise. Right now, I'm doing push-ups, so I need to do push-ups. Yeah. I think you could look at the uh, the 
the success rate or finish rate of all these different things and get an idea what's the finish rate of hell week like 20 percent or something like that yeah i think almost everybody finishes the crossfit games at least Mm -hmm. so i know a way to settle this though i think uh, in 2020 we should have caleb try all of them a version of each of these (laughs) and uh let me go with the uh, diderod first (laughs) 18 18 1800 kilometers sledding the right, dogs. Hey, you I pick, still want to do the, the weather. Seal fit the camp. weather's a big one too. We didn't talk about that. You pick but. your three, man. You pick your three, and we'll settle this debate. I don't know. We'll let the audience weigh in. Let's do it. Yeah, just twenty-four hours of each. All right. So this is one of those classic things we bring up. We're never going to settle it, but at least cause some great, some great conversation. I think the, the most difficult challenge I'm going to face will be the workout uh, here today, the Ned Flanders. But we'll get back to that. <laughs> So uh, moving into the last part of our episode, the, uh, the recommends, uh, I don't want to step on your toes, Hunter, but I actually have something I'd like to recommend if that's all right. Go for it. I've just finished watching Chernobyl. Oh my gosh. I mean, I, of course, I'm a sucker for a period piece anyway. We're like, that's fascinating to me that everything in the frame has to be accurate. Even read, I've read some articles about how they, they made some mistakes with the type of backpacks that the kids were wearing and things like that, but still just the overall experience and to see what happens when people um, believe that certain things aren't possible. Like that's just not possible. I cannot take in this reality that this has actually happened because it is previously inconceivable in my mind. And just to see how that all plays out. And uh, I think there was over two years of research that went into these five episodes and man, does it show! It's a show on HBO about obviously about the disaster in 1986. But holy cow! I mean, you, once you start the first episode, you need to set aside a day because you're not going to want to turn the show off. Yeah, I'll second that. My wife makes us watch an episode of The Office after just because the gravity <laughs> so of it, like it sits and they end the episodes so heavy. Yeah. It's like you really got to. And that's one of the things I love about entertainment when they go to that level where it's like you go there and you've got to check yourself back out of it. Uh, after and I felt that every single episode. Yeah, no doubt. No I've doubt. watched the first two episodes of it. It's awesome. I, I, I can't wait to watch. What the last are you thing. waiting on, man? Come on, I commit. Was, I had some traveling to, to do last weekend. Yeah, I think this would be the top recommend. I mean, I don't know what you could recommend to <laughs> top, top Chernobyl. So I mean, I <laughs> you think win, bro. I just won first place. So Good we got we got to get people out there watching that. Yeah, sound effects. Well done, Ben. <laughs> Way to go. Proud ben of did you. Did something right. <laughs> All right, cool. So uh, if you guys don't have any other recommends, which I just totally killed that debate anyway. so I got one. Whatever. <laughs> be ready to be disappointed. Um, I got a book that I read. It's called The Champion's Mind. <laughs> <laughs> the Champion's Mind by Jim Aframo. If you're a competitor, then you need to read this book. It's the best book I've ever read as far as mental toughness and mental strategies for competing at your best and just how to um how to train become the best version of yourself um even if you're not a competitor i think you can take a lot out of this book but um if you are a competitor in any sport or you coach a competitor or anything i i would highly recommend this book because it it's just has countless examples of uh people who have won gold medals and world champions and Super Bowl winners and all this type of stuff, and the the way they go about doing uh, their day to day activity, the way they go about competing, uh, their mindset, all that type of stuff. So, uh, check it out. It's it's a really easy read. It's broken up into really small sections. Um, it's 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 a phenomenal book, The Champion's Mind. I think uh, 
Ben Bergeron talks about it all the time in his podcast because I've actually when I was reading it, like I recognize a ton of the stories from it from stuff that he had talked about in his podcast. So um, obviously he's read it and using it to coach his coaches. I mean, coach his athletes with. So um, I think it's something that you could learn a lot from if you're an athlete or a, a coach. What's the title one more time? Champions. The champions mind. Mind. The champions mind. All right, I'm gonna check that out probably recognize a lot of my my own mental processes as i'm reading through that book there so <laughs> understand myself a little better processes processes Pro- prices, prices. Processes. maybe we should just go ahead and end it there yeah